Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glamour podcast, is Veronica Garnett. Veronica falls under the model category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. She is also a bit of a hybrid into the maker category, as the majority of the chat we discuss her dietitian and culinarian endeavors. I'll let her introduce herself properly. We touch on Veronica's modeling experiences, relationship to fashion, and journey through the dietary and culinary worlds. Enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Hi, Mallory. Thanks for having me. Of course. Could you please introduce yourself? Well, hey, everyone. My name is Veronica Garnett. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a registered dietitian. I'm a not a, I'm not just a regular dietitian. I'm a health at every size and fat positive dietitian. I'm also a culinarian, and I am a smart glamour model. Woo! I don't think I've ever heard anybody use the word culinarian. Yes, that's a, I guess it's a new fancy word to say. I'm a, I'm a well trained cook. <laughs> <laughs> well trained, well trained cook, but yeah. like, but not a chef. But not a chef, yes, not a chef yet. So with the What's chef, the... the chef designation, you have to work your way up to to being a chef. And so I just graduated from culinary school last year. Uh-huh. I haven't, I haven't paid my dues yet in the culinary world. So, but I am a like an entry level culinarian. So meaning that like a regular, I mean, a cook who didn't go to culinary school, I guess could just be, would just be called a cook, but a culinary mm-hmm. is someone you have the educational background. I'm trained. I have, you know, the entry level, that entry level position, I guess. I hope that oh, explained wow. that well. <laughs> no, well yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's basically yeah. somebody who is studied in it, but it has not like worked their way into the, the industry fully yet. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Um, before we talk about your um, dietitian stuff, I want to chat a little bit about model stuff. So you said that you're a smart glamour model. Do you consider or call yourself a model in general and why or why not? Hmm. So that's an interesting question. And <laughs> I've been trying to come up with a response to that. Um, <laughs> let me just say, I'll say I'm a, I say I'm a smart glamour model. It depends on the context. I do tell folks like on my, my professional website, I say that I'm a model, but I think, I think I have had an issue with embracing like all of my greatness. Mm. <laughs> I've had difficulty seeing it um, or seeing myself the way that others see me. Um, and so I like, I haven't fully, I didn't, I've been a dietitian for over 12 years, 12 and a half years. And mm. it's not until just recently, like a week ago that I felt like, oh, this is the work that I'm supposed to be doing supposed to be doing so um so yeah I guess I and even someone has called me like an activist a fat activist Mm -hmm. and that's another like word that I haven't I hadn't fully embraced yet and so Mm -hmm. I think the model title is um something that I'm still trying to like fully embrace and I have to also have to say that like I've only ever modeled for smart glamour Mm -hmm. and I've had one or two other experiences outside of the safe space that is smart glamour that wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. Um, like one experience I had to walk away from um, mm-hmm. and I walked away from it feeling really badly. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know about that model term because I haven't jumped into the rest of like the larger fashion world. And that I guess is pretty intimidating, not as inclusive um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah so I uh, yeah I don't know (laughs) (laughs) so I guess at the end of the day I don't know what what my answer is (laughs) well I mean I think that's totally fair to if you you know if you only feel comfortable calling yourself a smart player model I mean clearly that's fine with me um I think it's just interesting though that like because you haven't had great experiences outside of modeling for smart glamour that you feel like the proper thing to do or the correct feeling thing to do is to put smart glamour in front of the word model, even though, you know, if I were describing my models in general, I wouldn't call them smart glamour models. I would just call them models, even if they've only modeled for me, because to me, the definition of model is somebody who puts on a product and then lends their likeness to whoever makes that product to show it off. Um, and I think that 
expanding the definition of the word is really important. But I also fully understand not feeling like that word belongs to you mm, Yeah. when the world is telling you that it doesn't. <laughs> but the way that you just defined model makes me like make me it just made me feel like oh yeah I did that <laughs> I am that <laughs> and that and I think that term could apply to different areas in, in my career like I'm modeling like it with my career as a dietitian I guess I'm modeling a product or I am my product I hate, I hate to say that kind of sounds like capitalistic but <laughs> but I guess <laughs> I am I'm selling myself and my expertise um so yeah, yeah I feel like Oh, that that's like a eye opener. Um, <laughs> and yeah, thank you, Mallory, for that that definition. That just like oh, I just have like a little aha moments. Well, also. you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So obviously, I know what you look like, but for someone who is listening to this and hasn't seen a photograph of you yet, could you describe your appearance? So if I would describe myself, um, I am an average height woman like I'm five four so that's about the average right um, the average yes. yeah and I am I guess I'm considered depending it depends I might be a small to mid fat um mm-hmm. I am African-American woman but I I'm I'm fair-skinned and I always have to acknowledge my you know skin color privilege and you know acknowledge that so I'm a light-skinned black woman mm-hmm. I am uh, I'm bald, bald by choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, what else can I say? Uh, yeah, definitely curvy, maybe more of a pear shape. And I'd say I got a nice bright smile. I'm gonna stick with yes. that. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's so interesting Poor- to like describe my, describe myself. I haven't done that. That's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more more and more this question is getting to be very interesting to me. Because um, <laughs> it started as just like a, oh, well, we're talking about how people do or do not fit into, um, you know, model B standards, blah, 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 garbage. But to have that conversation, it helps to understand what somebody might, right, you know, vaguely look like. Mm-hmm. And so I just started saying, oh, well, so, you know, we're talking about your appearance. So what do you look like? And then... Uh, it's just quickly proven to be um, a myriad of responses from people. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to listen to some other episodes and hear what folks have said. <laughs> yeah. um, so before, well, so what was your first collection with, when was that? Was that it was, fall? It was spring of 2017. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So you were in fall too, but spring was before that. Great. Yeah. Um, and before modeling for me for that collection um what was your relationship to fashion or or just like clothing in general what was my relationship I mean I I've I've always liked well let me see let's see I should go all the way back to like childhood okay (laughs) when I I was in kindergarten uh so the like the beginning of my schooling and the end of my schooling I had to wear a uniform uh so I went to public school uh in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, but parents mm-hmm. had voted for um, uniforms. So I never really thought about clothes that much. Just like I wore the same thing. I mean, we had, I had five, five of the same uniform from Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when for high school, I went to a Catholic school and had to wear a uniform too. So it took me a while to find my own style. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time I started modeling for Smart Glamour, um, I mean, how long had I been outside of high school? I mean, it was over a decade, so <laughs> that I was outside mm-hmm. of high school. So I, I had spent a lot of time in my college years and in my 20s developing my own sense of style. Um, and also, like, at that same time, uh, learning more about, like, body positivity, fat positivity, health at every size, and, like, going through my own – I went through – a mental health journey, a career transformation, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my body has changed and gotten larger. Um, and so I was just on this journey of bra- embracing all of who I am and my embodiment and all of that. Um, but I, I I, definitely at a certain point where I was like, well, I'm going to be cute no matter what size I am. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to look fly. And um, yeah, I so I, 
yeah, I think at some point I looked at my spending and I think I spent more on clothes than like food and <laughs> wow, <laughs> and like other kind of necessities. So I'd say that, yeah, I have a, I don't, I don't know how, how to sum that up, how I would describe my, my relationship to fashion, but I've loved, uh-huh. I've loved clothes. Um, and I think I've, I had learned before, uh, before Smart Glamour to kind of stay in my lane, meaning, mm. I mean, there's only, I like I there are only a few stores where I could shop, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm, uh, and because I I know there's a privilege in being a small fat, so I can go to like a TJ Maxx and Marshalls and you know find you know some two X um, leggings or something like that, mm-hmm. and I can still like with a most online most online shopping that I would do. I mean, a lot of I guess regular or straight size fashion you know, stores or whatever, online stores, they go up to a 3X. So I have been privileged in being able to find, you know, cute stuff in my size. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that that's not a privilege that every, like all people in larger bodies don't have that. So I always have yes. to, I want to, I definitely want to acknowledge that. But I think that Smart Glamour has just like opened up my world and opened up my fashion world and opened up, I think there's the, the larger messages that you're sending about activism and, and inclusivity and being fat positive and all of that. Like, I think like it's, it's more than just the fashion or mm-hmm. smart glamour has like, has influenced more than just my relationship to fashion. And I hope, am I, I hope this is making sense. Is it making sense? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, yeah. So th- like fashion, or I think of fashion differently. Than, uh-huh. It's not just clothes. This is, um, it's also it's almost like it's a like an issue of social justice yeah and advocacy and you know activism so it's like all mm-hmm. all so connected yeah yeah mm-hmm. so when you were a kid and you had to wear uniforms did that like did you wish that you didn't wear uniforms or was it like because you wore uniforms you just didn't even have to think about fashion at all it was the latter. Yeah, I didn't have to think mm. about it at all. Although that's, I mean, I guess maybe in elementary school, I didn't have to think about it at all. And I think in high school, we still, you, you got to choose what shoes you wore or what's what <laughs> like sweater you'd have over your blouse. Like we had a button of blouse and like one of those kilt-like skirts, you know, plaid mm-hmm. skirts. So there are ways that you could, um, I guess, personalize your uniform, but it was still very constricted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also, like, I didn't feel, <clears throat> I didn't feel as much pressure to, to, uh, stand out or look, look fashionable, look a certain way. Like I did, like maybe when I went off to college, I went to a very mm. like fashion forward, um, school. And mm-hmm. then I felt like, I mean, I was also in a larger body mm-hmm. and then transitioning from childhood to sort of adulthood <laughs> like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was that was there were definitely like uh challenges and yeah that I th- I'd say those first few years were kind of tough <laughs> having to actually think about fashion yeah, yeah I always wonder about that because I mean so I've been interested in in clothing my, literally as long as I can remember when I was like five and six years old my mom would remind me who people were by what they had on because that was like what I focused on and I can tell you like what my kindergarten teacher wore the first day of school like I'm just yeah (laughs) the clothing has just always been an interest of mine (laughs) I don't know how just just ingrained in me um but it's and I've always wondered that like if I had to wear a uniform to school how would I have felt about that and like would it have you know, made me less interested in clothing or would I have just like been constantly trying to find ways around it? Cause it's like, you know, when I was in high school and my first little high school job was working at Dairy Queen and you had to wear a uniform, obviously. And I would just wear like the, you know, most interesting sneakers. I would wear big chunky earrings and I would do my hair in, in, you know, all kinds of way that like I would never even put that much effort into my hair now um, but it was because like that that's all I had right? it was like you have to wear these khaki pants and this blue polo so like I gotta do something else. <laughs> right, right you know what that kind of so sounds that kind of sounds like me now or like post high school and like once I've found my 
groove fashion wise. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've like, you know, cause I work in, I've worked in healthcare and I've worked in a hospital and I've like, I have felt mm-hmm. so constricted and constrained and like, I, I like, I don't even like claustrophobic working in those environments because you have to dress a certain way. And I had just been so used to, to wearing like big, big, huge earrings. When I, when I still had hair, I had locks. And I would mm. like I'd go to my hairdresser, my loctician, <clears throat> pretty regularly, and like I'd always have these very noticeable, like stunning updos and hairstyles. And then I wear big earrings. I wear a lot of like bright colors and encore, even though I'm kind of I was kind of or still am quiet and kind of reserved. Mm-hmm. But you could like you can see me, you know, across the room. Like I would stand out in that way. Uh or mm-hmm. because of fashion and hair and nails and stuff. And so like the jobs where I've had to tone down or like I have, you know, like if, if I had to wear a lab coat, like uh um <laughs> I remember I had to like when I was doing my dietetic uh internship, I had to, I mean I wore a lab coat to my internship you know, every day, but I went to whatever scrubs, you know, uniform store. And I found like the one, uh, lab coat that had some like pretty hem and like trim. It wasn't just a straight edge. Um, and so I kind of stood out that way. And then my, my coworkers, or I guess they weren't really my coworkers, but (laughs) the (laughs) folks who worked at the facility where I was like, they asked me like, well, where'd you get this? And where'd you get, you know, where'd you get that? So mm-hmm. I have to like try to stand out in some way, but I like now I don't like being told, I don't like going to parties where mm-hmm. I'm told like if there's a theme, you know, mm-hmm. if you have to wear a white shirt and green or green pants or blue jeans and this and that. I'm like, no, an all white party. And like, no, I'm going to wear what I want to wear. <laughs> so I guess it's, it, this all makes sense that I'm now like working for myself <laughs> so I can wear yeah. whatever, wear whatever I want, whenever I want. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's I think obviously the best feeling. Yeah. Um that's interesting that you think that about, about parties with theme. I feel like if the theme is too specific, I don't like it, but if it's like a you know, an overall theme, I kind of see it as like a little bit of a challenge. Okay. And I'm like, okay. What can what can I wear that me but kind of fits this, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean it depends. Um so I don't think I realized that you had been a dietitian for so long. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your journey to deciding to do that and then how that career has shifted over time? Yeah. Um, so let's see. I've been a dietitian since I was 22, right? Mm. 22. Yeah. (laughs) So fresh out of college. Um, but when, so when I was a teenager, I really wanted to go to culinary school and become a chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I come from this, you know, academic family, like white collar professional family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thought of like going to culinary school, doing a blue collar job, standing on my feet, that was kind of standing on my feet all day was kind of frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Or, and I was steered in a different direction. It was well-intentioned adults in my life. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so um, I ended up picking nutrition because I felt like, okay, well, that's that's kind of close to culinary arts, right? <laughs> I still get to learn about food and whatnot. And we did, I did have some food science classes and one like, you know, the the hands-on stuff with food, but dietetics and culinary, the culinary world are, I mean, they're like two separate, two (laughs) very different things. I mean, I think there's Uh some maybe more overlap now, but like when I was first starting out, it was, they were definitely two separate things. Um, But another, like underneath some of that, uh, underneath the, the motive, the, another motivation for going that route mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, you know, I was, I've, I've been fat since I was five mm. and I thought that, well, you know, I have a lot of, um, you know, family members who have high blood pressure or diabetes and these chronic illnesses. And so I was like, oh, well, I can learn what I need to know to like help out folks in my family and the, you know, larger community. But mm-hmm. really I was like, Oh, well then now I can learn how, like what I need to do to lose weight, to shrink myself. Uh, so mm-hmm. I can, so I can fix what I thought was wrong with me. <clears throat> and so I chose dietetics over just a regular nutrition degree because I could become a dietitian after the four years I did my, um, most people, most dietitians have to do four years of schooling and then do an ent- internship 
afterwards, un- mm-hmm. unpaid. Um, and this, the program where I went was a coordinated program where I did all of my academic work and my internship at the same time. So like four years, uh, my academic advisor, actually, like I met with her, my mom, my sister, and she was saying, yeah, after the four years, you can sit for the registration exam and then you can get any, you know, nutrition job. I went to school in DC, you know, in DC. So getting a good government job, uh, <laughs> right out of college was like, yes, my mom's like, that's what you're going to do. So I ended up becoming a dietitian. And it has been, it's been a challenging road. There are a couple of times where I've, I mean, I've threatened to quit. Every five years we have to, um, we have to recertify. We have to have Mm. a certain number of continuing education credits. And I've always had more than enough because I keep going to school and (laughs) I've already, I've always, yeah. Um, But every time I'm like, F this, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so even up like last year, so 2019, I let my registration status lapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is while I was in, I went to Senegal to complete my culinary externship. Yeah. And while I was there, I knew that the, it was coming because I hadn't paid. And I'm like, uh, you know, so I knew that the registration was going to lapse. And I remember crying like these tears of relief because I'm like, oh, I'm done with, I'm done with this because for folks who don't know about the dietetics field, it's very um, it's very fat phobic, very mm-hmm. weight centric, uh, you know, white supremacy and mm-hmm. exclusion, like undergirds the profession. Um, so it's not been it's not been easy to be a fat black woman in a field that when you think of a dietitian is mostly a thin white, able bodied young uh, woman, maybe not yeah. young, but yeah, and so it has been it's just been, it's been a challenge. Um, I've, I feel like I've gotten beaten up in the ring. Uh, and so last year I was just, you know, tired. Actually I was tired before then, like the year that, that, that I first modeled for Smart Glamour, um, I, I ended up the fall, it was like right around the fall collection mm-hmm. where I walked. It was right around that time uh, where I made the decision to leave my job. And I knew that like, I remember this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like be having that experience, like being in the smart glamour community, being in the show, being around the models, being around, of course, you, Mallory, um, <laughs> and this the space, the environment, the community that you have cultivated. It just made me realize it was like the final nail in the coffin. I had like talked to friends. I'm like, I want to quit. <laughs> I need to quit. I need to leave this job. I need to you know, walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like, yeah, the final nail in the coffin, like, okay, Veronica, you need to do something different um, than what you've done, what you've done. Yeah. And that also is like, I'm, I'm worthy and deserving of having a work environment that feels like the same, like feels good, <laughs> like, yeah. like smart glamour feels good. And I know that's in American society or maybe in all over the globe. It's like, we're not like, we're, kind of, I guess we're conditioned or we just believe that, you know, you're not supposed to enjoy work and it's whatever, this is just a paycheck mm-hmm, <laughs> or something, mm-hmm. but I just believe there's a better way. So I ended up quitting my job that fall. I think it was like a week difference or maybe the same mm-hmm. day. I can't even, I can't remember exactly. <laughs> I think it, I feel like it might've been the same day. It might've, <laughs> might've been. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I need to go back and like look at the look at the look at the photos and the records and see. <laughs> it's got to be coming yeah. up in Facebook memories or something. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I quit and I like I like a month before I quit, I had started culinary school. So then I just dove into um, culinary school. Mm-hmm. I still had some, uh, you know, a few little dietitian gigs here and there, but I was like, I'm just going to do culinary. Um, So, yeah, so I guess long, well, fast forward to, so I finished culinary school last year Mm -hmm. and, you know, my registration status had lapsed, but on social media, I was still, I still followed some dietitians, like some heavy hitters in the dietitian world who are all about health at every size, intuitive eating, these non-diet and anti-diet culture approaches to Mm -hmm. health and wellness and dietetics. And I just noticed that the people who were at the forefront of the conversation about health at every size still were thin, young, able-bodied, cisgender white women. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who better to talk about health at every size than me, than a fat black yeah. woman? Um, where like this is this is I've applied these principles, this framework to my own life. <laughs> it's helped heal my own relationship with food and my body. Um, so yeah, so, and then like, I remember going out to that same summer, the summer after school, culinary school, like 
talking to friends and giving out like gentle nutrition advice and like slowly but surely I got pulled back in. <laughs> I got pulled mm-hmm. back in. And so I, um, yeah, I paid to be reinstated mm-hmm. at the end of like maybe like a, around this time a year ago, maybe a little, a little bit more than a year. So like maybe August, yeah, maybe August, September, so around this time last mm-hmm. year. Um, and I, yeah, I said that like, if I was going to, the only way I could be in this field is if I do it my own way. Um, And it's been great this time around because I'm more connected to, to other dietitians with my same, um, you know, who use this, who have this, like the same values, the same philosophy, people who are, you know, who are more grounded in social justice and Mm -hmm. um, all of that. So, and then like in the midst of this pandemic, I just started, I just, I started actually before shit hit the fan with COVID. Um, I, I was working at an eating disorder clinic and I was planning to, you know, start my own practice, my own, you know, virtual private practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID hit. I quit that, quit that um, eating disorder job. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of on hold, but someone who had like reached out to me uh, before COVID had like circled back in the midst of COVID, like wanting to mm-hmm. work together. I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this. So I just started seeing clients in the last four months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's like, and it really, it was just like a week ago where I felt like, oh my God, this is the work that I'm supposed to be doing. I feel good about it. I feel good about my place. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I know I'm still a dietitian, but I also feel like kind of outside of it. I, like, I feel like I want to be outside of the traditional dietetics anyway, because it's so problematic mm-hmm. and oppressive and, and can be harmful in many ways and weight stigmatizing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but now I, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy the work that I do. The client, the clients that I work with are just amazing, all of them in their own way. And I'm like, I feel so grateful to be able to do this work and connect with um, my colleagues who do this, you know, similar work. That's so wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, And, you know, there's kind of this running theme through a lot of these episodes that I talk to specifically smart glamour models when I'm talking to them about what they do, you know, people who are not um, working to be professional models, the other things that they do in their life. And there seems to be this running theme of harmful systems and do you choose to try to work inside that system and steps to make it better um or do you leave the system and build your own thing um which sounds like you are now doing the latter of those choices because you tried to do the first and it it became too harmful for you and so now you're doing the second and i feel like that's similar to my trajectory with smart glamour you know i worked in a harmful corporate system of fashion that was harmful to me it was harmful to other people and harmful to the planet and I said I'm not going to do this anymore and I you know moved outside it and started my own thing um which is is so wonderful I mean obviously you know not everyone can make that leap not everyone it doesn't work for everyone to to leave a system and and kind of forge your own path so I always think it's important to stress that like if you need to be inside the system for whatever reason, you know, whether it's monetarily or health wise or ability or anything, then that's okay. Yes. That's you know? very, very, that's real. That is okay. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. like, I have no shame in saying like, I, I'm, I'm very privileged in the fact that like, I, I could just quit a job. And then my mom was, my mom has said, as long as she is alive, I'll have a place to live. <laughs> so I'm right. like very fortunate. I mean, I moved back in, after I quit my job. I moved back in with my mom. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't have to worry about having a roof over my head or like, mm-hmm. I know I'll at least be able to eat. I might not be able to pay my student loans, my credit cards, eh, whatever, <laughs> but like at least my basic needs, I've been okay. So I have that, that mm-hmm. little bit of, you know, that leeway. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the other thing? There was another thing that I was going to mention. And then also like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not married. I don't have children. I just have a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like, I don't, it really is just me. So I don't have, the responsibility of having to care for children or care for, you know, an elderly parent, um, right? Or at least not. It's not my sole responsibility. You know, I have siblings, right. and you know, so um, yeah, I've been able to do this, but um, 
this is, I know this is not always the case and it's not always easy and yeah, folks mm-hmm. have to do whatever works for them. Um, yeah. And I think even going this route has not, it's not been easy. Of course. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's definitely not easy. The, um, the, the toll, like on your mental health and all of that, it's, it's real, but, um, mm-hmm. but also the rewards and being able to kind of s- subvert the system, uh, I think mm-hmm. I think it's possible to do like you can be in the system and try to change things and outside. I think we need both. Yes, so, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's how I look at a lot of things um, because it's just you know the the realization that no problem is just like here's the problem, here's the solution. Like so many things are so um, intertwined and cyclical, and there's so many facets to like any one problem that you want to look at that like the solution then therefore also cannot be just one thing right you know the solution needs to come from many angles and look like many different things in order to actually be a well-rounded solution right right <laughs> um so i do want to chat a little bit about health resources. i know that's not something that a lot of people know about definitely i feel becoming more well-known and more um easily accessible to folks especially in the past like i don't know four five six years um and i'm just curious how do you look at that and define that and how does that tie into your dietitian work yeah um let's see how would i so health and resize our principles it's really i think of it really as a social justice um movement and it's Mm -hmm. really about um expanding access to care um, or compassionate care to people of all sizes. Um, So healthcare, like, I mean, including dietetics, but the medical field is very fat phobic. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you look at health outcomes, there's a lot of things that are attributed to folks' um, weight as being the cause of these poor health outcomes. But really, if we look deep and if you, like, if you, really look at the research, it's really weight stigma and mm-hmm. fat phobia um, and like poor care. Like, I mean, doctors can be very fat phobic and there's, mm-hmm. there's research on how, you know, doctors don't think that fat clients are, um, are, what's the word, are compliant or they might think they're lazy or unattractive. They have all these negative notions. So if you are, if you think that way, you're already going to, prov- you're going to provide a level of care that's not, great and then Mm -hmm. if you add in racism and all that other stuff like doctors can be very racist too um so yeah so health at every size um is really uh yeah it's about healthcare. Uh, Mm um how am i trying Mm to okay i might need some like light editing (laughs) yeah no it's good don't worry about it (laughs) okay um yeah but really it's just about um like having weight inclusive healthcare and compassionate care um but there are some some principles so it's weight inclusivity, um, health enhancement, respectful care, and there is eating for well being, and then life enhancing movement. Those are the like mm. the five principles. Um, and a lot of people think that like oh with well, health every size is like they don't care about health <laughs> or like <laughs> or eating nutritiously or whatever. Um, and the, the only distinction is, and this is something, so actually I should mention that this summer, well, I guess in August, so last month, I was elected to be the, the vision and strategy leader for the Association for Size, Diversity, and Health. And, wow. and that is the organization that um, has trademarked health at every size. But mm. do have a, there's a little stake there. I don't know if I should <laughs> mention that. But um, yeah, so and this is a conversation that we were having like with the core leadership is like, how do we promote health at every size without being healthist without like looking at health as like a moral obligation um Mm -hmm. like health is not a moral obligation um it's it's not a way to judge like if you are unhealthy and whatever that means it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you're a good or bad person or that you're wrong or whatever and so much of diet culture and wellness culture uh is very healthist and problematic Mm -hmm. and all of that so and ableist yeah ableist all of that, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, every ism that you can probably think of, <laughs> ism yes. and phobia, yeah, it's a part of that. So um, I don't know. I wish I had a better, like, more concise answer. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, so, but as far as health at every size, I first learned about it 
about the principles almost a decade ago. So when I was in grad school and mm. I actually used it as the framework for my master's thesis. And oh, I created great. a nutrition education program for African-American women mm -hmm. uh, that was based on these health at every size principles. And it was uh, when I look at that research and stuff now, I like cringe because it's terrible. Um, but so much of the research um, around like black women's health is, you know, pitting pitting like black women against white women and like white women are he up top and here black women, like our health outcomes, everything Ugh. is like worse. It's that deficit oriented research and it's all like personal responsibility and black women don't eat enough fruits and vegetables, which is like, this is just bullshit. Um, and so when I looked at the research, I mean, I had to write it in a certain way because I was in academia and this is what, you know, my advisor was looking for, but there was nothing like I, uh, there was nothing in there that talked about social determinants of health and yeah, racism. Right. Like, how can you talk about black women's health and not talk about racism or how can we, right. yeah. And it's, everything is like all this obesity and I don't use the O word. I don't use overweight mm -hmm. or obesity, but all the research, there's so much money and research around the O word. Um, yes. uh, and it's so not expansive and holistic enough. Um, and so, yeah, but I created, it was like, this was my response. My nutrition education program was a response to that, these traditional obesity prevention, you know, interventions. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, this is a new paradigm. This is a way like, you know, not everyone, there's a natural diversity of sizes. It's like, no matter what you do, we could all yes. eat the same. We could all move the same. We're all going to look different and be different sizes. They're going to be large. Mm -hmm. Like fat people will exist in the future. Like not everyone's going right. to be thin or straight size or whatever. So then what do we do for all of these folks? Like health is something, it's a resource that we could all pull from. Mm -hmm. So I created that program based on health at every size. And then after that, like I used that, that's always been like kind of in my heart, even if I worked in a, an environment like most healthcare and dietetics, you can't, it's, they're not, it's not aligned with health at every size. Mm -hmm. So, and like a lot of clients would come to me when I worked at different organizations, they want to, they want weight loss. They want this. So I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I'll help you. But I'm still like in the back of my mind, I'm always going to be health at every size practitioner. But now that I get to do my, do it my own way, I get to like stand firmly in these mm -hmm. principles. Mm -hmm. So like when I meet with clients or like, you know, when I'm doing my virtual work, like we don't even, we, of course we talk about weight, but we don't talk about weight in the ways, like we don't talk about numbers and you need to lose weight, mm -hmm. but it's really like, we talk about what are your experiences with fat phobia and discrimination and you know, how can you like heal your body image and get to a place where you nourish yourself and move in ways that feel good, that are not dependent on um, the number on the scale or they're, or they're, you're not doing those things in order to change that number on the scale or change the way you look. Um, so yeah, I hope I answered all of that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very foundational uh, and something that's really important to me and um, the work that I do. So yeah, yeah I'm, leave I'm that. so glad that, that <laughs> I'm so glad that that people are doing the work that you're doing and that you're doing it. Um, because oh, I mean, even people who so like me personally, I never had any food issues. Um, I grew up straight size. I'm still straight size. People don't badger me about my health. Um, never have, probably never will. Um. And therefore, I, I just never developed any food issues. Not to say that straight size people don't develop food issues. Of course, some do. Um, a lot do. Specifically women. But for whatever reason, I was lucky enough to avoid all those things. But even as somebody who does not have food issues, when I see folks on social media just focusing their quote-unquote health around determinants of you know, losing portions of their body and becoming smaller and praising weight loss. Like I, it, it gives me a physical reaction. Like I just, I, I can't, I can't even really explain like, <laughs> how I feel about it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I truly can't imagine how folks who have had food issues or who who get policed for their size and their health and their and their um, bodies feel when they see folks just praising thinness and praising whiteness and praising policing their food and 
you know, restricting themselves. Like, it's so toxic and it's so insidious. It's everywhere. And I think that there's so much work to be done on, so, again, as we mentioned, the problem is just like, here's a problem, here's a fix fix for it. Right. Um, there's so much work to be done at so many different levels um, to heal the majority of people who the majority of those people don't even really realize the bad relationship that they have created around food. Yeah. You know, it ju- it just seems like such a monumental task it's yeah it's terrible and it's and it is like you said it's so insidious like we're all swimming in this stew of fat phobia and diet culture and it's still very socially acceptable to be fat phobic to make jokes uh to like degrade people in larger bodies um and like diet culture is so much the norm with how we eat and we moralize food and healthy eating and um, even like I think of dietetics as being it's it's dietetics has been collapsed and it's pretty much it's diet culture and dietetics is, it's one and the same like people right go to whenever I, I like I, there was a point where I wouldn't tell people I was a dietitian because they're like oh I can come to you about weight loss and I'm like no 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 this is not how <laughs> this is not how I do things right <laughs> but yeah it is what it is and like we're all swimming the stew and people are so a lot of people are oblivious to it yeah it's like it's like the lobster like when you're in the pot of boiling water it's like you don't yeah. know <laughs> that you're boiling until like it's too late yes <laughs> like oh wow that hard. is yeah. that is a serious metaphor yeah <laughs> i um my husband and i have talked many times about how the word both the word diet and also the word exercise have just been almost like ruined you know yeah. like because like, a diet didn't used to mean like dieting and fasting like your your diet is just what you eat <laughs> yeah all this is just a pattern a pattern of how an individual or a community eats it's right like it, it's it could be a very neutral word but it's yes it's, it's coded for so much now yeah. yeah like like the word flattering right right <laughs> flattering oh. slimming it makes you look smaller make you look like you've shrunk yourself ah, right um, but that's not the definition of that word uh Really? The definition of that word. Yeah. So back in the, um, uh, a year before you came into Smart Glamour, I did a campaign called Hashtag I'm Flattered. It was the first campaign I did that went like, woo, everywhere, um, like worldwide viral bananas. And the it, it was purposely to attack what ha- what has happened to that word. Um, I don't have the definition in front of me, so I'm not going to quote it word for word. But basically the definition of flattering has literally nothing to do with slimming or smaller or none of that. It just means to like be, to be flattered is like to, to, to like something, to enjoy something, to like feel good. It's just like positivity, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you're, if somebody flatters you, they're complimenting you. They're, they're, you know, they're bringing up positive qualities about you. It's just that, we so tightly have wrapped positive um, outward appearances to thinness. And, right. Absolutely. That that flattered means means looking thin. Yeah. Because we we made it mean that, but it doesn't mean that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So that was that was at my my um, the core of that campaign was to say like no I'm flattering myself by wearing what I want to wear by feeling how I want to feel. And if and if the thing I'm wearing makes me quote unquote look better look bigger, it doesn't matter because I am still flattered. I have flattered myself. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So last last big question before I go into our easy ending fun question and then telling people how to follow you. Um we've obviously gone over a number of things that uh, we take issue with these various industries, but what are the main one or two things that you'd really like to see change maybe both in the nutrition nutrition and culinary space and then also in the fashion industry? Even, you know, I know you say you're only a smart glamour model, but uh, in your experiences within that industry and also even just as a consumer of the industry, as somebody who buys clothes. 
Okay. So well, maybe after this conversation, I'll start saying that I'm just a model. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although I like, I'm a smart glamour model too. I was, I was a smart glamour model first. So, yes. Um, but what would I like to see change in all of those industries? I mean, I know it's, I know it's so cliche right now with diversity, equity, inclusion, but mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of industries, companies, brands, um, it, that that term is performative and it's not mm-hmm. real. Um, so I would like to see real diversity, equity, and inclusion across the board and not just uh, lip service, not just, you know, you put up a black square or you make a lukewarm statement about certain things that, you know, injustices and things that happen in the world. Yeah, I would just like to see real inclusivity. I like when a fashion brand says that they're expanding sizes, that they don't just go up to a 3X. <laughs> like you go well beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you make all of your clothes inclusive to every, like, you know, like the larger bodies don't only have this small set of things to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think there, there could be, I think it could still be profitable if we're looking at this in a capitalist lens it's still profitable like people people in larger bodies or um you know people with different abilities people with different genders like we all need to wear clothes (laughs) and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. why not make clothes accessible to everyone um accessible and affordable and beautiful and make you feel comfortable and you know all of that so Mm -hmm. yeah and I guess the same would be yeah that would be the same for absolutely for dietetics, <laughs> dietetics, less like down with fat phobia, down with all this bullshit. Like this is, this is 2020. Well, 2020 has been a hellish year. So let me not say this is 2020. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh my God, we're talking, still talking about this and it's 2018, 2019. I don't know, 2020. Right, right. Year. Um, but yeah, and I guess that the culinary world, this is the same thing. Like the culinary world is very Eurocentric and very like male centric. It's not very inclusive to, um, women and people of other genders Mm -hmm. so yeah I'd like I'd like all of these industries to reflect the world that we actually live in today yeah man and and truly this is something that I've talked about a a few times on the podcast and obviously something we talk about a lot with smart but when we talk about diversity equity and inclusion and you're mentioning how it cannot just performative um I just can't stop saying it enough that like if you are trying to do it because you think it's what you're supposed to do, like you might as well just not do it. Right. Like if that's, that's the only reason that you're doing it, like you need to actually care right. and by action. And then, and then you need to take that actual caring <laughs> and turn it into your own education. And, um, you know, by actual actions, you know, hiring people, you know, losing a little bit of your power to give it to somebody else, um, to taking care of people, to paying them fairly. I mean, it just absolutely uh, it just touches every aspect of a business or a brand or a whatever, whatever the case may be we're talking about. Um, it can't just be, you know, a, an Instagram post. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> It's so so bonkers. <laughs> um, so to end on a on a more positive note, what is you know, say someone is out there and either they've already begun studying um nutrition and dietitian uh, work, or maybe they're thinking about it, but they're f- feeling frustrated because of all the things that we've talked about. Um, what would be something that you would say to that person to um? help them navigate it in a way that that will be beneficial to them yeah um so yeah if you wanted to go the nutrition and dietetics route um (laughs) if you had asked me this a year ago I'd have been like don't do it (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) now I'll say if this is what you really want to do if this is what you're passionate about um that there are people that can help you along the journey. Um, there are people who are on the cutting edge, who are progressive and um, are working hard to dismantle 
um, the systems of oppression within the field and outside of the field, um, there th that we are here and that we are here to support you. So you don't have to go it alone. I feel like I've mm -hmm. spent most of my dietetic career working independently, being the only dietitian on staff, like really not connected. Um, and so I would just mm -hmm. definitely recommend getting connected, finding a mentor. Um, I mean, I'm here, you know, you can shoot me an email <laughs> or something, <laughs> um, but it's definitely possible to, yeah, to do this work um, and kind of, and to do it outside of the, there's the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which, you know, governs our um, profession. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, there's a lot of work that could be done outside of the academy. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that could be, yeah, that could, you know, was it ground shaking, groundbreaking, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah. Um, and if someone, and, if, and let's say if someone, maybe if they're on the fence, or I would say with anyone is just to follow I know it's so cliche too, but to really follow your dreams. Um, mm -hmm. And I like, I know, like, I mean, it took me a while to actually follow my dream of going to culinary school. Um, mm -hmm. And it just so happened that I'm, I'm back in, you know, that I'm back in dietetics. And now that I think about it, I'm much more Zen about this whole journey. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I'm starting to believe that, you know, nothing happens, you know, by accident. Um, and I, like, I guess no matter where you are in the journey, uh, you were, you are right where you're supposed to be. Mm. Um, and I do, I know, God, that sounds so cliche to me, but yeah, I do, I do feel like everything's just going to work out the way it's supposed to in, in due time. That is wonderful. And, um, yeah, I think sometimes things can feel cliche, but I mean, they probably became cliche for a reason, right? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so where can people follow you on the internet? Okay, so you can barely follow me on the internet because... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I have to say, in 2020, I swear this year, I at one point, uh, I deleted all of the social media apps from my phone and I hadn't been on on any of the apps like I has to actually go onto my laptop to like go onto Instagram so I'm not posting uh -huh. anything but I just felt like this year I mean every time I was going online I was getting traumatized by what's happening and you know, I'm like I just can't I just can't so <clears throat> you can follow me but I don't know if I'm ready yet to be posting and doing all that stuff but we'll see <laughs> well even even if it's not a follow so yeah. like say say it's somebody who wants to reach out to you for your work you yeah. know what I mean like is there a website yes also? there is a website so you okay. can visit my website veronicagarnett.com um and yeah that's where you can if you are looking for nutrition services that's where you can reach out to me mm -hmm. um but also if you did if you <laughs> when I am back on back on social media you can follow me across the board at Veronica Garnett um my 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 practice my dietetics practice is Veronica the dietitian mm -hmm. um and I have a few other pages but those are the, pre the my personal page is Veronica Garnett and then there's Veronica the dietitian so you can follow me either one of those places if you go to Veronica Garnett you can see all the different projects that I'm working on so that's probably a little bit more uh comprehensive yeah mm -hmm. wonderful well I will hyperlink those all show notes people can head there and click right through and thank you so much Veronica yeah, thank you so much for having me I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Fashion for All. Please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. For more Smart Glamour goodness, you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on Facebook at backslash smartglamour and Instagram at smart underscore glamour. Thanks. Thanks.